Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Divya Inna and welcome to Talk Water, a Bluetech research podcast series focused on providing water market intelligence, a place where we discuss new and emerging water technologies, growing markets, and how the future of the water sector is being shaped and changed by the broader mega trend of the fourth industrial revolution. Thank you very much for joining us. And again, a very warm welcome. On this episode, I speak to Bill Toffey, a member of our technology assessment group on recent innovations in sludge dewatering, looking at opportunities to bring approaches common to the Internet of Things, such as sensors and automatic controls, to the handling of wastewater solids. I then catch up with our editor-in-chief, Reese Owen, on Bluetech's latest research highlights. But first... In case you haven't heard, the UK water sector recently employed its first canine employee to sniff out leaks. Yes, you heard right. A 19-month-old Cocker Spaniel named Snipe is the newest and the cutest recruit at United Utilities. Snipe will use his finely tuned nose to sniff out small leaks in the utility's long network of water pipes. Now, in rural fields in the northwest of England, rain puddles can make it difficult to distinguish pipe leaks. And that's where Snipe's talents can come in handy. His nose can detect trace amounts of chlorine used to disinfect municipal drinking water on concentrations as low as one part per billion. Snipe's training first began indoors, where his trainers used several glass jars of water all arranged in a row, and Snipe had to sniff out the jar containing chlorine. He's obviously been doing a great job, because since then, his training is ramped up and he has moved to the field, where his talent is really being put to test. The team is training him to see if he can pinpoint the source to real-life pipe leaks. And based on his performance so far, it seems like Snipe is already detecting additional leaks they didn't know about. The goal is to be able to use Snipe's talents alongside satellites and drones to identify leaks. Now, Snipe was originally trained as a military dog and has used his skills in detecting weapons and explosives. But, you know, I I suppose skills are transferable, right? Especially when the principles are basically the same. It's just a different setting. Well, you know what they say, it's never too late to change careers. So for all of us here in the water industry, we'll have to just keep a close eye out on our furry friend and see how he adjusts to his new career. Right, let's move on to our feature piece of this month, innovations and sludge dewatering. We all know that municipal wastewater treatment presents opportunities for application of sensors and automatic control to achieve a higher level of treatment and to show efficiency in energy, chemical and labour inputs. However, application of sensors and remote monitoring has been on the liquid side of operations so far. This priority is true even though solids processing can account for up to 50% of an agency's total operation and maintenance costs. A vital caveat is that, as it stands today, the use of sensors and automatic feed forward feedback control in the handling of wastewater solids is very nearly absent, in the US at least. So I catch up with Bill Toffey, our biosolids expert, to hear his thoughts. Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. I want to- oh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Great. I want to start by just explaining to our audience why we looked at this topic in the first place. And you can jump in with additional comments. So our initial idea with this topic was that we wanted to scan the dewatering market landscape and cross compare the offerings of heavy equipment providers in the industry. But as soon as we started doing that, we realized that the difference between brands of dewatering equipment was relatively marginal. Um, 
especially compared to what can be achieved by optimizing operations with the help of sensors. So as we see with many areas across water, we notice that the real story is in looking at the effects of digital innovations in dewatering and what can be achieved by optimizing operations, uh, indeed with the support of or the help of sensors. So my initial question there to you, Bill, is that obviously biosolids dewatering is wide open for optimization and cost savings, yet we haven't really seen IoT um, come into the picture. It's been almost entirely absent from the scene until now. So I, I just was wondering, why is it that we're now seeing it enter the market? Well, I have to say that, uh, that this investigation uh, led me to a final point that was not where I expected to be. I thought that what we discover is that we are on the edge of a, of a major shift in adopting equipment that can, that can make a difference in the performance of our watering systems. And in the, in the United States, at least, we're not mm -hmm. there yet. On the face of it, there is clearly opportunities to save money in the uh, improving the percent solids in our cake, reducing polymer use, and in, in managing our energy efficiency, reducing labor costs. But those are not drivers in the dewatering system that seems to compel the public agency owners to move towards sensors and automation control. And the reasons for that are maybe peculiar to the culture of our public agencies, mm -hmm. but some of it is really an interesting commentary on the uh, where we stand in the upgrades of our wastewater systems to achieve nutrient uh, removal and to obtain better effluent. Okay, so what you're saying is that cost factors that drive operational efficiencies in Europe are weak in the U.S. Okay, so for instance, the watering systems tend to be run as a as a fail-safe control on the return of solids back to the headworks of the plant. So in other words, the primary goal for many of the water systems is to ensure that a lot of solids do not get returned, that mm -hmm. the capture ratio is very high, which means that there's always an incentive to operate the watering system to uh, maximize capture rather than to maximize percent solids in the cake or minimize polymer use. Right. There's not an incentive for the operators to minimize their costs at that, at, at that part of the, uh, in the treatment system. Well, yeah, the, the general interest in dewatering and dewatering control and automation is low, especially as incentives in improving efficiencies um, is not viewed by the public agency as sufficient to warrant changes to operations. But I'm still very optimistic about IoT. I've been very optimistic about mm -hmm. an IoT of things because we have some new equipment that's really uh, compelling and systems, control systems. Both Hawk and uh, Valnet now have equipment that can be applied both to the feed going into the dewatering equipment as well as to the centrate into the cake that's coming out of the dewatering equipment such that you can have both feed forward and feedback controls and, and you could together have a, a, control, a total control system that would uh, help operators optimize the both the polymer use and the, uh, the speed of the or the settings of the dewatering equipment as well as achieve the, the goals of the solid content of the cake. But I, I guess what happened when the, that equipment was first installed, uh, say a decade and a half ago, mm -hmm. uh, it didn't work all that well. And the consequence is that, that in the culture of the wastewater agencies, the, the, uh, the inherited wisdom, you might say, mm -hmm. sometimes unfortunately guides a lot of decisions, is that it's not worth the time. It's not it, that it was that the payback was 
not there, and it was uh, just a lot of additional work to install this equipment. Right. Uh, it may not be fair for today's uh, technology, but that's sort of where people start. And so when when, when the uh, the companies come out with their equipment and the and the sales, the technical sales engineers uh, visit wastewater agencies, they find the uh, a lack of receptivity. They might also find that it's a very steep learning curve for the agency personnel, and it just costs a lot to uh, try to make a sale in this in this uh, in this environment. You're right. I mean, it's it's probably just based on you know um, perception, um, but. You did mention newer companies joining the market, like Valmet. So, I suppose in terms of solutions, what do solution providers need to bring to the table, both in terms of technology and service models, for them to for it to be successfully adopted in today's market? I think the, probably the best opportunity comes uh, from two different uh, areas. First mm -hmm. of all, you do have some agencies, particularly the large public agencies, that are looking at at total capital. The placement of their dewatering systems, uh, whether it's uh, an incineration uh, system such as uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, replacing their incinerators and, and coming up with a whole new solids uh, process, uh, or DC Water uh, in Washington, uh, where they installed uh, new digesters and, and thermal hydrolysis, where there is a thorough revisiting of the solids handling process. Those systems are, you know, you start with a clean slate and you have mm -hmm. an opportunity to reimagine uh, the control systems. And so an, a company such as Valmet uh, or Hawk, who, is, who offers a comprehensive control system and automation and sensors, I think that's their best opportunity to uh, get their equipment uh, showcased and used. Uh, it also, I think, will help to have a good reference facility, which we don't really have in the United States, mm -hmm. for, uh, for such controls so that others can look at it and see the benefits. One of the things that's happening, too, is that we're seeing some, some really important changes on the liquid side treatment, uh, particularly a nutrient removal. Mm -hmm. And what we've discovered is that as we uh, ratchet down the allowed uh, amount of phosphorus in the effluent, that we're seeing it, the, the consequence on the, on the condition, the characteristics of the biosolids that, that is trying to be dewatered. When we remove phosphorus from the effluent, we get it into organisms that are in waste-activated sludge. And when these get stressed, they release this polymer gel, which is almost impossible to effectively dewater. So there is new technology being applied to dealing with the characteristics of the waste-activated sludge, such that these new control, these new technologies, whether it's from Astara or uh, CMP Airprex or Motorform Harvest. These phosphorus extraction technologies are going to be changing the quality of the biosolids going through the dewatering equipment, and that may be the key to getting better performance on dewatering. But the, the, the driver is going to be on trying to remove phosphorus and, and uh, from the wastewater treatment system. And so it's another example of how the, the variety of drivers in a wastewater plant. Somebody's got to put the pieces together so that the you know at the end of the day. You're going to get a great cake, you know, high solids cake. You're going to get optimal polymer use, and you're going to simultaneously have a better effluent. But the pieces are still being handled separately. You don't get an integration of these. And uh, it's going to take some time to, until we learn how, how everything fits together. Exactly. And you 
hit the nail on the head when he said it's a complicated balance. You're trying to solve one issue, one issue which is nutrient uh, or, or phosphorus management, but you're actually creating more complications downstream. But hopefully, we're we're going to be able to tackle those with things like IoT. So fascinating stuff, all tying back to the theme of the fourth industrial revolution uh, and indeed mm-hmm. circular economy. So great stuff. Thanks very much, Bill. That was very interesting. All right. Well, thank you, Bibi, for asking. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, Bill. Okay, right. Take care. We have online with us Reese Owen, our editor-in-chief. Uh, Reese, welcome and thank you for joining us. Take us through some research items uh, Bluetech has looked at in the past month. Hi, Divya. Sure. Well, this month we have a report from the American Waterworks Association annual conference and exhibition, which happened in Las Vegas, in Nevada. And uh, we've got a report from, from there. Uh, it's a trade show. Uh, there are a lot of notable new launches for new products, as always, particularly for smart water and sensors in that area. So, for example, Massachusetts-based Eclara has introduced its latest offering, which was uh, Generation 2 of its existing acoustic leak detection sensor. Uh, Now, Eclara has been active in advanced metering infrastructure communication for a long time now, nearly two decades, and they focus on identifying leaks and optimizing networks. Uh, And this is a huge market. Estimated at five billion within the U.S., uh, with the World Bank suggesting uh, fourteen billion worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also had news of a U.K. firm, Malvern, has introduced uh, a product called the Zetasizer into the water market, which is a automatic analysis of water-containing coagulant. So this is about dosing control and smart systems. So uh, lots of interesting papers as well, very digital focused, very focused on smart water and optimizing networks. Yeah. And at the other extreme, in terms of content, this year we also have the uh, LET Leading Edge Technology Conference, which happened in Nanjing this year. And that was focused much more on issues that would chime with concerns in China. So less smart water networks and more research into hard-to-treat industrial water, advanced oxidation processes, sludge mm. management, and, and also micropollutants. And this is all in part driven by tightening regulations in China, uh, especially on contaminants uh, within industrial wastewater and, and allowable levels of in, in discharge. Yeah. So two conferences which really show the, uh, the variation in content, even though the same themes crop up uh, worldwide, different conferences focus on different themes, and that's one of the reasons why we uh, make sure we report from them and, and give people the summaries. Absolutely. And uh, finally, we also look in depth this month at uh, a company called Arvia, which offers uh, destruction of organics in wastewater through a combination of uh, a regenerative graphene-based absorbent and adsorbent and electrochemical oxidation. Now, they've raised as a company around 10 million pounds so far and had some very high-profile pilot demonstrations which have uh, been uh, quite uh, high-profile in the press, uh, notably um, for Scottish water and uh, uh, treating maldehyde. So, but this is a company that's been going for quite a long time and not actually scaled up to a fully commercial 
installation yet, although it does have some extremely promising technology. So what are its prospects? Well, you'll have to read the briefing to find out uh, our in-depth analysis there. But that's what we look at this month. Great. Thank you very much, Rhys. And as, as Rhys mentioned, for all Bluetech clients, this research material is accessible on the Bluetech Intelligence platform uh, on www.bluetechresearch.com. For others, if you're interested in one or more of the topics we've mentioned today, uh, feel free to get in touch with us. Thanks very much, Rhys. That's great. Okay. Thanks, David. With that, I'd like to conclude this month's podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you're enjoying what's left of the summer. We'll be back next month with more content. Have a great week ahead.